How many of you believe, like I do, that we have a purpose? We do have a purpose. And we have a destiny. A calling greater than ourselves. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't understand how people live their lives without Jesus. Because if they live their lives without Jesus, they're living their lives without purpose and without positive destiny. Oh, they have destiny. All right? Living without Jesus is also a destiny, right? But it's not a positive destiny. We're going to spend a little bit of time. This is actually going to be an introduction to a series on destiny, on purpose. It's going to help sharpen our focus. I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to read verses 5 through 7. I don't want to get in a hurry. This is a, it's a short message today, really. It's a short, short introduction to a series of messages on destiny and on purpose. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. You know, there are lots of times in the Old Testament where God is encouraging his people to do certain things that are conducive towards positive direction for God's people, and it generally always involves stop sinning. Stop sinning. Stop living like the world lives. And we need all the help we can get from the Holy Spirit to do that. Can you say amen? But I believe learning more about our destiny and learning more about our purpose will help us in that battle. I wrote a little note here. This sermon will help people understand what destiny is, why it's important, and whether or not you are fulfilling it. How many of you have ever watched Seinfeld before? You watch Seinfeld? You don't have to be necessarily ashamed. <laughs> you know, uh, I've seen episodes of Seinfeld. I've seen some funny things. It's not like the rest of the entertainment in the world, though. You're not going to grow spiritually while watching it. Does that make sense? But there's a lot of laughter in it, you know. Uh, I, I read a little deal here that I, I wrote down. Millions of people love Seinfeld when it aired. A college drama department did a study to find out why Seinfeld was so popular. They determined that the reason was because of its plotless programming. Seinfeld just meandered haplessly from one scene, one circumstance to the next without connection. The drama department concluded that Americans who lead plotless lives prefer plotless TV programs. And I thought it was funny. There's a plotlessness that exists in many lives of people in this world today. Plotlessness. I, I don't even know if it's a real word. But, uh, yeah, we, we got it going on now, don't we? Often we move from one scene, one circumstance to the next without purpose. We wonder. We wonder, and this is people without Jesus. We wonder from high school to college, from college to our first job. Then we're just dying to get married. Then we're just dying to have kids. Next, we're dying to get them out of the house. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Then we're dying to retire, only to find out that we're just dying. <laughs> you know? Never having known why we were alive in the first place. That's what the lives are like without Jesus, without purpose. 
without destiny, without design. But I'm asking this question this morning because there are a lot of Christians that don't know any different either. There are a lot of Christians that don't know any better, right? They just think that they're taking life as it comes. And then you, you take people who you know that you've been praying for for years and you're trying to teach them spiritual truth that would set them free, and you see this same principle in their lives. They move from disaster to disaster to disaster to disaster, never having learned that God not only wants to meet that disaster, he wants to quell the storm. He wants to change the circumstances of their lives. He wants to take care of the storm that keeps bringing disasters. How would we act and think differently if we saw God's hand in the plots of our lives connecting one circumstance to the next in the, what I call the tapestry of his will? The tapestry of his will. I think I just went dead. I'm back. So that wasn't just in my head. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right. You know, how many of you ever heard of Zig Ziglar? Oh, Zig. The world's different without him in it, you know? Uh, what a positive character. And I, I wrote this down earlier. I saw it on Facebook this morning. I don't even know who posted it, but whenever I see Zig Ziglar's name, it jars me because I grew up. He was one of my mentors. I just listened to him all the time, you know. And he was comparing a razor blade with an axe. Now, both of them can cut you, right? But both of them serve a, an extremely different purpose, right? You got an axe that's real good for chopping wood, but a razor blade, and a razor blade's not good for that. You have a razor blade that's real good for chopping or cutting hair, but it's not real good for chopping down trees, right? But each has its purpose. And he said these words. I'll never forget them. I heard them first when I was just a child. Never look down at anybody unless you want to admire their shoes. <laughs> You know, never look down at anybody unless you're just admiring their footwear. And, and I was reminded again of that when we watched the video this morning about the young boy who needed shoes. All right, first point of this message is this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this with you over a series of, of uh, sermons that we're going to preach in this church over the next number of weeks. Number one point that I want to prove is God has given you a destiny. God's given you a destiny. Listen to the, this definition. Destiny is the customized life calling for which God has equipped and ordained us in order to bring him the greatest glory and the maximum expansion of his kingdom. I'm going to read it again. Destiny is the customized life calling for which God has equipped and ordained us in order to bring him the greatest glory and maximum expansion of his kingdom. Who does that have more to do with than us? Him and his ex expansion of his kingdom. Can you say amen? All right. Every Christian must understand their destiny or primary purpose in life, which is to glorify God and make his name known. That's what, that's what we're all about. That's what we're here for. Well, brother, you haven't been looking at my agenda lately. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. I'm under attack here. I'm under attack there. You just don't understand what I'm going through. I understand exactly what you're going through. Am I not breathing this morning? <laughs> you know? I, I remember financially in my life. I, I, I just didn't know how I was going to pay the bills, you know? 
I didn't know how I was going to pay last month's bills. <laughs> this month, I'm in this month, and, that, and I don't know how I was going to pay last month's bills. I did not treat money with the respect that God wanted me to treat it with. Therefore, I never had any of it, right? And, and when you're buried in financial problems, you allow that to trap you into thinking that's all that matters, what I'm facing right now, right? If I get my priorities straight, though, and we'll prove this over this series of messages. If I get my priorities straight, God helps me with that other stuff. God helps me with that other stuff, right? Turn to Isaiah chapter 43. We're going to read verses 6 and 7. While you're looking up Isaiah 43, 6 and 7, let me read that last one for you again. Every Christian must understand their destiny or primary purpose in life, which is to glorify God and make his name known. That's what it's all about. You do that, and God will take care of the rest. Amen? Isaiah chapter 43, verses 6 and 7. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Verse 7, everyone who is called by my name, say that with me. Everyone who is called by my name, one more time. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. I'm telling you, that, that I'll preach right there all by itself. Listen to me. Destiny, true destiny, always starts with the place of God in our lives. Destiny always starts with the place of God in our lives, which should draw more attention than my financial problems, than my physical uh, illnesses, than my relationships with others other than God. If I can get my relationship with God straight, straightened out, I can straighten out my relationship with others. It's my destiny. If we want to find our destinies, God must occupy the central place. Now listen to this. Man, this, this is powerful. If we want to find our destinies... God must occupy the central place in our hearts, in our minds, in our motivations. That's why we do what we do. And our actions. If we want to find our destinies, God must occupy the central place in our hearts, minds, motivations, and actions. What we do. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That take care of that last thing we talked about in destiny. Amen? The heart of destiny for the child of God is to serve the purposes of God. The heart of destiny for the child of God is to serve the purposes of God. As we obey and serve the Lord, He, as we obey and serve the Lord, He, capital H, will make His purpose for us clear. It's really not as difficult as it sounds. It's not, really. I mean, what God lays out for in His Word is really quite simple. We just need to obey, right? We need to focus on it, and we need to obey. I'm going to read Proverbs 3, 5, and 7 again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean to your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Point number two. God's destiny for you will lead to a fulfilling life. It's a fulfilling life serving God. Anything else falls miserably short of this truth. God's destiny for you will lead to a fulfilling life. All that other stuff you're doing on the hamster wheel and getting nowhere doesn't matter compared to this. God's destiny for you will lead to a fulfilling life. When people don't live with a sense that God has given them a divine purpose in life, they can become depressed. I mean, the world is so full of depressed people. They're just depressed. I mean, and look at their circumstances. I'd, you know, without Jesus, I'd be depressed too, you know? I'd be just as miserable as they are without Jesus, Right? Each member of the body of Christ has a unique role to play. But when members don't fulfill their God-given destiny, the body cannot function. When the members don't fulfill their God-given destiny, the body cannot function. Why did I pin those words? Because it's creeping into the church. People not understanding that we're children of God and that we're people of destiny. We're people of purpose. It's creeping into the church. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. Let's get, let's get to this. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. When you know your destiny, you know your value in God's eyes. I'm telling you, that's good. That'll preach. When you know your destiny, you know your value in God's eyes. When you discover your destiny, you'll begin to live life like you never have before. How many of you know that, I just wrote a note here, the cross was Paul's identity and his we, we faced that over and over again in the book of Ephesians when we were traveling through there. Here is a man who was serving God joyfully, was hearing from the Lord on a regular basis, writing the word of God for us in the form of letters, right? And yet he was in prison. He was a prisoner, right? Through persecution, though persecution plagued the apostle Paul throughout his life, he frequently looked back to the destiny Jesus gave him on the Damascus road and regained the confidence to keep going. Well, I thought, where are those two accounts? One's in Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. Now, as he went on his way, he, Paul, approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. 
And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And what were the first words out of Paul's mouth? Who are you, Lord? He, at least he was smart enough to know he'd been knocked down, right? And that whoever was talking to him was very powerful, but he did not yet know who it was. And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. And then again, Paul himself in Acts chapter 22 Verses 6 through 10, recounts it. As I was on my way and drew near. Hold on one second. Went blank. How do you like when that happens? All right, Acts 22, verses 6 through 10. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Listen very carefully to verse 9. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. His destiny, right? Somebody tell me, don't be afraid, spit out an answer. Why do you think that the other people who were with Saul or Paul could not understand the message? Somebody tell me. Wasn't their destiny, right? So, therefore, it was none of their business. <laughs> you, do you understand what I'm saying? How, how many times in my life have I heard some people try to tell other people what their destiny is? And I'm not exactly doing that here today. I'm telling you it's in the Word of God, right? I'm not trying to tell you, I'm not going to give you a, uh, an agenda. Oh, this is what I think you should be doing. No, I'm going to tell you, go into the Word of God. Find your destiny. Find that thing that God wants you to do and obey Him. Amen? So I wrote. I wrote that. You know, it's nobody else's business. It wasn't for them to hear or God would have let them hear the message, right? It was for Paul. Matter of fact, if someone ever comes to you and says, I have a word for you from the Lord, and they begin to spill to you about your purpose, just hide it in your heart and wait to see if God brings it to pass. And if he doesn't bring it to pass, just kind of flush the toilet and move on. All right? All right. All right. Under three, determine if you're fulfilling your destiny. We know that we're fulfilling our purpose by the impact that we have on others. It's the first clue. Um, three, determine if you're fulfilling your destiny. We know that we are fulfilling our purpose by the impact we have on others. Listen to this very carefully. King David fulfilled his God-given purpose, and he impacted others. Amen? How do I know? Acts chapter 13 Verse 36, I like to slow down when I start calling out scriptures in case someone wants to look it up or, or write it down. Acts chapter 13, verse 36. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But do you see the key that I'm, I'm dealing with here? Acts 13, verse 36, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation. That's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Serving the purpose of God in our generation. 
We will all die, and the only thing we will leave behind is the eternal impact we have made on others. That's it. That's it. You know, when I, when I worked on the pipeline and I ran a security team, I ran into people all the time that needed Jesus, and I'd share Jesus with them, and just about every tour somebody would get saved or, or you know, um, they would come back to God. You know, they'd known him in the past or whatever. So it, constantly as a chaplain, but how many of you know it's different as a pastor? It's kind of different because you catch yourself realizing you're at Walmart or something and you're checking out and someone's behind you you've struck up a conversation with, oh, I'm a pastor and I'm discipling you. That's my goal. That's my purpose here, to disciple you in the word, right? But, hey, there's still evangelism out there to be done, right? There's still people that need to be saved, right? Well, I got a reminder of that the other day. Under point three, determine if you're fulfilling your destiny, part A. There's a point A. God's destiny is worth fulfilling. Actually, God's destiny is worth pursuing is what that's supposed to say. God's destiny is worth pursuing. There was a little girl who asked her father for a nickel. Listen to the story. Maybe this has happened to you before. There was a little girl who asked her father for a nickel. He had reached into his pocket, but he didn't have any change. So the father pulled out his wallet, and all he had was a $20 bill. His little girl had been a good girl, so he said, Sweetie, I don't have a nickel, but here's a $20 bill. Cool, right? His little girl had been a good girl, so he said, Sweetie, I don't have a nickel, but here's a $20 bill. The little girl pouted and said, But Daddy, I want a nickel. That's not too far-fetched. I mean, you know, children don't know the value of money. And when they start getting coins, they think it's more important. It's solid. It's more important than a piece of paper, right? The little girl pouted and said, but, Daddy, I want a nickel. The father tried to explain how many nickels the $20 bill represented, but she didn't get it. Many of us are the exact same way. We want a nickel when God wants to give us a $20 bill. We want our will so much that we miss out on God's perfect destiny for us, one that is worth much more than $20. You get it? We don't, sometimes we don't even scope what God's will is, and we think what we want is more important. It'll bring us more happiness. It'll bring us more fulfillment. It's what I want. I don't know how many promotions at work that I didn't get, that I thought, wow, you know, I've been robbed. (laughs) You know, that, that, I was my, you know, that destiny. No, no, it was not my destiny. Amen? We want our will so much that we miss out on God's perfect destiny for us, one that is worth much more than $20. Point number, or point B, God's destiny requires single-minded focus. When I was just a child, um, never been to a professional baseball game before in my life, I was in Atlanta, Georgia with my father, and he said, we're going to go to an Atlanta Braves baseball game, and maybe you'll get to see Hank Aaron hit a home run. It was a doubleheader against the Astros. And so we went, and I, I remember eating my first Chick-fil-A sandwich. <laughs> it was a great day. And I saw Hank Aaron hit two home runs, right? Well, I fell in love with Hank Aaron. He, he became my new hero, right? 
And um, <clears throat> I started reading everything about him that I could get my hands on, and I found this story. You heard of Yogi Berra, right? When Yogi Berra and Hank Aaron played baseball against each other, they had a playful rivalry. During one particular game, Hank Aaron stepped up to the plate, and Yogi, the catcher on the opposing team, tried everything he could to distract Hank. Hey, Hank, you can't hit. Your mama can't hit. <laughs> That's getting personal, right? We start talking about a man's mama. She can't hit either, right? And did you notice that your name on the back of your uniform is spelled wrong? <laughs> right? Well, Hank didn't pay any attention, and he slugged the next pitch over the center field wall. Hit a home run, right? After he rounded the bases and touched home plate, he looked back at Yogi and said, Hey, Yogi, just thought you might want to know, I didn't come here to read. <laughs> oh, I love that. Just like Hank Aaron, when we stay focused on our destiny, the voices that try to distract us become more and more silent. Right? Destiny is your customized life calling for which God has equipped and ordained you in order to bring him the greatest glory and maximum expansion of his kingdom. Needed to be said again. Amen? Listen, listen. three more, three more lines. We're going to pray together because we're just getting started. We can't, it's not going to all get resolved today, right? When you know what you're here for, there may be a lot of voices, but they should not distract you. At the heart of destiny is serving the purposes of God. If you disconnect your life from God, you disconnect yourself from your destiny. If you disconnect your life from God, you disconnect yourself from destiny. Let me tell you one of the things that you can look at in your life as a gauge and read it. If you flip-flop between caring what God thinks about your life and what you're doing and not caring about what God thinks about your life and what you're doing, you're not fulfilling your destiny. You know, uh, even I turn on television sometimes. I sit down. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm particular about what I watch, you know, most of the time. I mean, I, I, I weigh and measure what am I looking at here, and, and does this do anything good for my life at all? And I'll change the channels, I'll turn it off, or I'll do something different if that's what I need to do. God help us all, amen, to do that. Because there's a lot of junk out there. We just got no business watching. We got no business feeding on it, amen? And if, if none of that stuff matters to you, maybe you need to refocus on your destiny, you know? If the problems and challenges that you're facing right now rob you of more of your time, you know, than what you're giving to God talking to him about the issues of life, then maybe you're not living out your purpose, which is to bring glory to him. See, look, look, look. Even when, and, and look, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how, to, how to share this with you. I mean, you know, and, 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 and we don't have time for all that. But I can tell you that I tried every religion out there. I can tell you about all of them. I did a stint in the Church of Metaphysiology, which is downright dangerous. It's just dangerous. Why? Looking for my purpose, you know? Looking for my destiny, right? Never got anywhere near it until I got back into God's Word. 
until I got back into being concerned about what he thought. I, look, I, it isn't that I'm not trying to disrespect you and the long litany or list of things that you're battling in your life right now. All I'm saying is move them over to the left a little bit, center up on the Word of God, and let God take care of the periphery. Let Him take care of what's on the right and on the left, all right? But keep your focus in front of you. Focus on the Word of God. Let God tell you what your purpose is. Let Him, you know, you know that, that they, I read a stat the other day that says that most Christians in America today will live their whole lives and never share Jesus with anybody. Oh, man, how in the world, how in the world can that happen, you know? You know, I look at the faces of the people in this room right now, and I believe that every one of us in this room have the ability to encourage others to look to Christ to answer their, their needs, their problems, the things they're facing. And, and they'll look to Jesus, and Jesus will teach them the value of a $20 bill over a nickel. Amen? Why? Because he's good. He's a good God. He loves us. Now, I'm excited about this series of messages. I'm excited. We're just now, all we did, we didn't even put a mark in the surface yet. But we're awake. Amen? We're awake to the need. God's going to help us. Amen? All right. You're going to be able to go to the website, if I'm not mistaken, and you're going to be able to see these notes. After Sunday, every week, we're going to post them. You can keep them. You can view the sermon again. You can listen to the sermon, and you can have the notes. They're on lifespringak.com under sermons because we want you to have the Word of God. You know that, that some seed fell on the soil today, right? And some people, the soil's not in great shape, and the seeds don't root. They don't produce a harvest. And then the devil tries to come and take the seed out, right, with the cares of this world. Well, you know what? If you're facing a lot of battles and everything, don't just get perfect in the next 24 hours. Just keep going back, feeding on the Word, letting God plant the seeds, letting God heal the land, let God heal the dirt, amen, until those seeds get rooted, and a harvest of the Word comes forth in your life. I'm humbled, very humbled by the life I'm living today. Grateful, grateful to look out here and see your faces and, you know, to know that God is changing lives with His Word. That's fulfillment. That's destiny. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I want to thank you once again for the goodness of your word. I want to thank you that it's changing lives. I want to thank you, Father, for the seed that's been planted in the soil of our hearts today. We desire in Jesus' name for them not only to be planted, but to be watered with the power of prayer, for us to take a stand in the field and fight in the name of Jesus. Don't let the devil come and take the seed out of the ground to uproot it with the cares of this world. Father, I know that there are people right now facing things that want to draw all of our attention, all of our focus. Father, set us free from that, I pray in Jesus' name. You are the God that healeth thee. You are the God that heals us, Father. 
So I thank you right now for the physical maladies of the people in this room being met right now in Jesus' name. See us through from beginning to end, Father. You know the end of a matter. Lord, your word is precious. It's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that it has not fallen upon deaf ears today and unlearned hearts. But, Father, on spirits, minds that are touched by you, ears that are opened by your spirit, understanding that's been touched, Father, mightily. Lord, we pray as we depart from this place today that you will watch over us, lead, guide, and direct us, Father, in all that we say and do. Watch over us, keep us safe, Father, and bring us back again at the appointed time. Father, I want to pray for all those that are going to attend our meeting tomorrow night. Father, we know that your word teaches about a Jesus Christ that many Americans don't understand. Thank you that we're going to be going to your word on Monday nights and Wednesdays should you tarry. And we're going to learn about that Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. And if you don't tarry, it's not going to matter because we'll just go be with you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Fellowship together before you leave this place today.